0: Let's get this party started. Welcome to Tinsel Tunes. I am musician and producer Scott Newman. I am musicologist Jay LaChapelle. Hey, Jay, how's it going? It's uh, May already.
1: It is, and we are in the, uh, for those of us uh, around the world, this is the traditional kickoff to summer this weekend here in the U.S., Memorial Day weekend, and... uh, It is, yeah. No better time to talk about Christmas, in my my opinion, because we are... uh, Only about uh, six weeks away from Christmas in July, right? Eight weeks away?
0: Yeah, it depends when you decide to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Celebrate it. Because some people start right at June 25th. Okay. Because that's halfway to Christmas. That's Leon Day. Okay. And and at that point, you're only, what, four or five days from actual July. So yeah, somewhere between June 25th and July 25th, we'll call that the uh, Christmas in July window. I know that QVC is going to be starting up their Christmas in July stuff right around then. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Summer's really not my favorite. The heat really gets to me. I, I prefer the cold and the snow. And. But you know, I'm trying to make the most of it. So yeah, we'll fire up the grill, fire up the Christmas music with it, I guess, and uh, and and rock out. How about you guys?
1: Yeah, well, we celebrate uh, Orthodox Christmas in July, so that's actually the third <laughs> week of uh, July. <laughs> and uh, and uh, interestingly enough, I I, uh, I changed jobs and I, I now work for one of those cool companies that shuts down for a week in the summer and. Uh, oh, how European, huh? Unlimited time off and all that kind
0: of stuff. So so Christmas in July is going to be big this year. I'm going to pull out a tree, one of the artificial trees. We're not going to decorate it, but I I said I'm going to pull it out and set it up for a couple days just for fun. Yeah, I think you should. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, life's too
1: short to not have fun with things, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's do it. Christmas in July is on.
0: So last month, we talked at the end about doing an episode on The Little Drummer Boy, and you and I said, that sounds great. And then I found out that Dwayne had already done an episode of Tinsel Tunes on The Little Drummer Boy. It's actually episode one. So I talked to him and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? Is it going to be okay? I don't really want to step on your toes of what you've done. And he said, No, I think it would be great. Uh, Dwayne is very humble, and uh, I'm sure he feels like you and I do you know, about Jingle Jank. Like some of those early episodes, they, we hadn't really found our groove yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went back and I listened to the first episode and and Dwayne I thought it held up really well I had fun listening to it but uh, since we already said we were going to do it and he gave us the okay I think what we're going to do today is just add to that episode does that make sense Jay? I think it
1: does. And I think we found uh, it it actually forced me to think about this a little bit differently. And I think we found an interesting thread to pull on here as we continue our journey
0: uh, or as we dive into this song. It's a great song. Dwayne played a lot of uh, great music. So what we're going to try to do is not replay the same music he did. We will provide a little of the same background information that he did. But we'll go a little deeper in, in a few pockets, and uh, and we'll play some kind of obscure stuff that I found really, really fun while researching the history of this song. Okay. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we start by going into the history of the song? And apologies if you've heard this before from Dwayne. It's obviously the same information, but unlike some of our earlier episodes... There isn't a ton of information. You know, it's it's not like we're going to spend uh, 10 minutes talking about the history of the song. This song, The Little Drummer Boy, was written by Katherine Kennicott Davis in 1941. So first off, Jay, that's a little later than I thought. I, I thought this was a much older song, like maybe from the 1800s. Yeah. And it's not. It's just, you couldn't call it pre-war or post-war. I guess it's, you know, right around World War II. It's, it's in the midst of it. So I was surprised by that, about how modern the song is.
1: Yeah, I, I I also did not know that, and I guess you know mid-century is what you. I don't know if you'd call that mid-century. There's a great way to call it. Thank but you. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I would have thought this was much much older than that. And uh, S-
0: same here. Yeah. This
1: always, whenever I think of old Christmas songs, it always leads me back to this uh, connection of what's a carol, what's a song, what's like the lineage of music, and like uh, I, I was not
0: aware that this was that new a song as as Christmas music goes. Yep, and you did touch on something like think is kind of important, I would call this a Christmas carol. And the reason I would call it a Christmas carol or classify it a Christmas carol is because it's religious in nature.
1: Yes, I would agree. I mean, the whole thing um, takes place in the manger at the yeah, moment, exactly. you know, shortly after Jesus was born. And so I yep. think... You know, you'd have to call it a carol or religious in nature.
0: Yeah, it deals heavily with the nativity story. Right, right. But I think what you are going to talk about a little later is it is a, it may be a carol, but it also is pretty important in terms of pop culture. You know, a lot yes. of unlike some carols, a lot of people really cover this song and seem to enjoy doing it, and it's popular. So I found some speculation that this song, "The Little Drummer Boy," was based on a Czech carol. But then I found some information that contradicted that. It sounded pretty plausible to me. Now, obviously, we weren't there with Catherine Kennicott Davis in 1941. We can't know. But according to the Wesley College Music Department chair, Klein, uh let's see, I think it's Fonten. There's a J in there. The Js always throw me in, in names. Yep. Um, she says, inspiration for the little drummer boy came to Davis in 1941. One day when she was trying to take a nap, she was obsessed with this song that came into her head, and it was supposed to have been inspired by a French song called Patapan. Then Patapan translated in her mind to "Rumpa pum pum and it took on a rhythm. The result was The Little Drummer Boy. So first question, Jay, are you familiar with Patapan? No, I am not. All right. I have a clip of Julie Andrews singing it. I think you're going to recognize it once you hear it. Mm, yeah, here we go. Julie Andrews. Good Paul. Willie, take your little drum.
1: Robin, take your flute and come.
0: When we hear the tune you play. Tooraloo. Pat-a-pat-a-pan. There's the Pan. When we hear mm. the tune you play, how can anyone be glum? Are you familiar with that song now that you've heard it, or the, at least the melody of it? No. Okay. Well, I was. I didn't know it was. I mean, I can recognize the inspiration. Okay. I'm not familiar with yeah. the source, though. I'm familiar with the song. I was- I didn't know that it was called Patapan, which surprised me. What's it from, though? Well, how would you know it? It's very popular uh, f- for. Um, like chorale type singing. Ah, uh, gotcha. I've heard this on various records that I have, or records, CDs, whatever you want to call it. But I didn't know it was called patapan. I could hear this pata patapan, pa I could hear this being the inspiration for a song the kind of earworm that gets in your ear and and then your mind starts changing it around. Um, So that origin story of the song seems plausible to me. Does it seem plausible to you? Yeah, I I can definitely see
1: the earworm aspect of it and the inspiration. I was not familiar with the the source song, but uh, I definitely get the, the, uh, I can see how that can just, it is very sticky would be the word, I think.
0: So she titled this song, carol of the drum and in her words the words practically wrote themselves she said so i can see that that's pretty cool yeah i don't have information on how we went from 1941 the carol of the drum whether she published it or made it available. She had to have some sort of music publisher, because that'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But Carol of the Drum appealed to the Austrian Trap family singers who brought the song to wider prominence when they recorded it for Decca Records in 1951. Jay, you're familiar with the Trap family singers? Those are the... Um the uh, the Sound of Music people. And the Sound of Music folks, exactly.
1: Didn't we just talk about this recently? Because they have, like, I didn't realize that, like, they were an actual family. And they, like, went on and toured and all that. Like, I'm not a sound. I'm not a. The Sound of Music just didn't hit me the same way <laughs> it some other people will just say. So I'm not an aficionado, but.
0: Yeah, they were very popular. They were a musical family. I know that it was related to the Sound of the Music. I don't want to get out over my skis on this one. So I'll probably just leave it there. Okay. Okay. but they were the ones who first recorded this song commercially and I brought a clip are you ready yeah and the tempo on this is a little faster than we're used to yeah the king All right, so that was The Trap Family Singers from 1951. In 1957, the song was recorded with a slightly altered arrangement by an artist named Jack Holleron for his Jack Holleron singers on their Dot Records album called Christmas Is (laughs) A-Comin'. Okay. I I find the 50s album names so quaint. So this arrangement, the slightly changed one, is the one that's commonly sung today, But the important thing on this one, this recording was not released as a single that year in 1957. So I have a clip. Uh, The audio quality is a bit poor on this. It it sounds like somebody recorded the speaker of a record. But I want you to hear it.
1: Way, way down from our last... Very, very slow.
0: Our okay, I'm going to stop the clip right here. I, I want to go the next step past this one. While that one's in your mind, the Dot record producer Harry Ontari left Dot to become the new head of 20th Century Fox Records in 1958. year after that was recorded. He introduced the song to Harry Simeone. When 20th Century Fox Records contracted with Simeone to record a Christmas album, Simeone hired the same singers that had sung in Holleran's version and made a near-identical recording with his newly created chorale called the Harry Simeone Chorale. It was released as a single in 1958. Now, I want you to listen to this and hear the uncanny resemblance to the one we just heard. Those little symbols are one difference in this version. So essentially, it's the same song. It's the same singers. It's the same arrangement. You got some finger symbols in there. In fact, the notes say the only difference between Simeone's and Hollerin's versions was that Simeone's contained finger symbols and the song's title had been changed to The Little Drummer Boy. So we have now arrived at what I would call the definitive version of The Little Drummer Boy. And I say definitive, I guess that's a little bit of a loaded word, but it's the original, it's the OG on this one. That's the one that I'm familiar with. If I hear that one, it instantly takes me back to childhood. Uh, one more note, Holleran never received a joint writing credit for the song, and his family vehemently disagrees with that. And, and I could see that. It, it you know, basically, Simeone took this version as his own, and I really do feel like Holleran's version should have gotten more credit than it did. I wasn't even familiar with it before we did this today. Um, are you familiar with that version, the the Harry Simeone version? Does it sound familiar to you?
1: Yeah, it sounds familiar, and the name Simeone is familiar. You know, put it, putting it together now, but definitely sounds
0: familiar. Yeah, and and I recognize it as what I would call the original, and and it is the original. I've also heard Simeone, Simeone, Simone. I think it's an Italian name, so I'm pretty sure it's Simeone. But we're not going to talk much more about him anyway. But uh, I might have it wrong there, and if it's offending the ears of people, I apologize. So about that version, the album and the song were an enormous success, and that single. Scored in the top 40 of the U- US music charts from 1958 to 1962. That is a long time. Yeah, yeah.
1: No kidding, right?
0: Uh, Simeone, who signed with Cap Records in 1964, re recorded a new version of the song for his album, *O Bambino, The Little Drummer Boy. Uh, that version was recorded in stereo. It had an even slower tempo, which I'm having a hard time imagining, and the cymbals were slightly different. Simeone recorded the song a third and final time in 1981. For an album again titled "The Little Drummer Boy," on the budget Holiday Records label, so I guess that was the uh, that was the sunset of his career. I'm not yeah not the quite... swan song for for Simeone. Very very interesting. First of all, that a song could chart for four years like that that's that's unheard of today. But that was a completely different time. I did see this note when I was researching uh, Catherine Davis, who wrote the song. She wasn't familiar that Simeone had recorded a version of this, and I guess she got a phone call one day, and they said, hey, your song is on the radio, and she said, what? Huh. And at the time, you know, there was no on-demand, so you had to just tune it in and, and hope to listen, but I guess the song was in very, very heavy rotation, so within five minutes of tuning in a station, she heard it. Yeah, According to her, it was very exciting. I I don't know. Maybe the first thing that popped in her mind wasn't you know uh, some sort of uh, legal action <laughs> against this, but her music publisher did fight to get her name listed as uh, as a writing credit on the song, and I guess she was satisfied with that. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but uh, what a different time, huh?
1: Yeah, and just uh, what a different time indeed and how uh, quaint and nostalgic it is to think about the concept of songs being in heavy rotation. Yeah, no kidding.
0: So there's one more version that I want to talk about before we get into start playing some covers and stuff uh, because I I found this really fascinating. Are you familiar with the Bing Crosby and David Bowie version of this song? I am very familiar with it, yes. Yeah, I would say most people of a certain age are familiar with it. Let me play a clip of it, Jay, so everybody knows what we're talking about. And I want to go into the backstory of this because I found it really interesting.
1: And they told me, pa pum pum, a newborn king to see." pa pum pum, our finest gifts we bring. Pum pum pum, pum pum pum, pum pum pum. Peace on earth come, 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 Can it
0: be and Years
1: come, from now Pay here. attention
0: to this piece on earth part well That are doing see in counterpoint
1: Our finest see the gifts day Of
0: glory, glory. All right, a very interesting version of the song, a very modern take on it. And I've got some backstory that I had no idea about. So you're familiar with the song, obviously. We've already covered that, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, some of this is second and third-hand information, so I'm going to read it as it was presented. One of the most successful duets in Christmas music history, and surely the weirdest, might have never happened if it weren't for some last-minute musical surgery. (laughs) David Bowie thought the little drummer boy was all wrong for him. So when the producers of Bing Crosby's TV special asked Bowie to sing it in 1977, he refused. And this was just hours before it was supposed to go on camera. So a team of composers and writers frantically retooled the song. They added another melody and new lyrics as a counterpoint to all the pa rum pum pum and they called it Peace on Earth. Bowie liked it, and more importantly, he sang it. So... First of all, it surprises me that you're about to go on camera in a couple yes. hours and you don't know what you're singing yet. That surprises me, but whatever. And when you find out what it is, you refuse. And yeah, it really blows my mind that a team of composers and writers were able to, in very, very short order, come up with that. I mean, it sounds like it was incredibly intentionally crafted and created. It's beautiful together. But it was a last-minute thing, and that really, really surprises me.
1: Yeah, and and two, uh, you know, so I think most of our listeners are familiar with both yeah. Bing Crosby and especially Bing Crosby and nope. David Bowie, not often featured on our on our podcast, but definitely uh, well well known. Yeah, these two dudes were could not have been more different than one another. And this was I I didn't know this, uh, but in, in prepping for the show, this was one of Crosby's I guess his last hurrahs, and so he was pretty old at the time that this was recorded whereas Bowie was you know kind of I don't know if you'd say in the prime of his career but late 70s was pretty much in the thick of it right so
0: Yeah. Um, and you're right. 5 so 5 weeks after recording this song Crosby died of a massive heart attack while spending the day golfing.
1: Oh really? Okay. So yeah, I didn't read really... Yeah.
0: So this was this was the last thing he recorded which is wild to me. And you're right, two extremely different artists. And I thought the backstory would be something like, oh, they respected each other's work and they really wanted to work together. No, it sounds like they were just kind of plopped together by their managers or or record labels or whatever, because you're right, Bowie was really popular. And uh, I have a a little more information on it here. The result of this duo was an epically bizarre recording in which David Bowie, the androgynous Ziggy Stardust... Joined in song with none other than Mr. White Christmas himself, Bing Crosby. The original plan had been, and this is a, a different article, which is why I'm, you're going to hear some of the same information we already did. The original plan had been for Bowie and Crosby to just sing A Little Drummer Boy. But David came in and said, I hate this song. Is there something else I could sing? Fraser Cohen and Grossman left the set and found a piano in the studio's basement. In 75 minutes, they wrote Peace on Earth, an original tune, and worked out an arrangement that weaved together the two songs. Bowie and Crosby nailed the performance with less than an hour of rehearsal, which is really, really cool. Yeah. A quote from David Bowie on this one, because they they said, hey, are you familiar with Bing Crosby? And he said, yes. I was wondering if he was still alive. He was just (laughs) not there. He was not there at all. He had the words in front of him and said, hi, Dave, nice to meet you here. And he he said he looked like a little old orange sitting on a stool because he had been made up very heavily and his skin was pitted and there was nobody home at all, you know? This is his quote. It was the most bizarre experience. I didn't know anything about him. I just knew my mother liked him. And then, as we said, uh, uh, Crosby died uh, five weeks later. I didn't. I didn't copy the quote, but um, there's some speculation that Bing Crosby had no idea who David Bowie was. But other <laughs> people say no. I don't think it was someone in his family said no he would have been familiar with it you know because his kids really liked him yeah so it, it's hard to say but what a strange uncanny pairing huh
1: yeah it really is and in my mind story here I cast John Wayne as being Crosby in this yeah. story and David Bowie as David Bowie because I think yeah. this is a lot like what it would have been and, it, and it, to me it's very much reminds me of Like this is this could have been the inspiration for every awkward Saturday Night Live musical duo skit that they've ever done because it really is like it's real but it really is like the basis for a Saturday Night Live skit putting these two
0: together. Did you say it because you're aware of the Saturday Night Live skit from this? Yes. Okay. So Will Ferrell and I believe it's John is it John John C. Riley? Yes. They, they do a version of this, and it is absolutely hilarious. And they're almost doing it note for note. It's actually quite good. Yeah. They're, they're better singers at it than I thought they would. Yeah. And then in the end, it goes all Will Ferrell, and, you know, they, they kind of get up in each other's face. So yeah. definitely go check that out. Yeah. If I remember, I'll try to put the link in the show notes. So yeah. why don't we take a, a very quick break, catch our breath, get a sip of water, and when we come back, we'll start playing some notable covers of this song. Sound good? Yeah. All right, Jay, we're back, and we've got a handful of notable covers for this song. So here's what I want to do. I've got eight or ten versions of the song that are just by either popular singers or I think they're important or they might just be obscure. I do have a couple that I'm, I think I'm going to blow your mind with. Mm-hmm. After that, we'll go into the different genres of the song Little Drummer Boy and hear it in a whole bunch of different genres. But I want to do the important and the noteworthy ones first, okay? Okay, okay, let's do it. No surprise, one of the first ones I picked here is Perry Como from 1968. Interesting. Very nice. now when i was growing up jay we had a perry como christmas album in the car and i believe we wore that cassette out yeah i believe it it was definitely one of my mom's favorites and uh, because of that, Perry Como, special place uh, in my childhood heart for that. And I'm very familiar with that version. I'd be shocked if you hadn't heard that a few dozen times yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it reminded me, uh, it sounds a little bit uh, Burl ives
0: s Did Burl Ives do a version of this too that's rattling around in my head, or am I picking that? If he did, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. There are so many covers. Like, there, there's no way yeah. we could do all of them. <laughs> it, I should also mention that I did put the call out to listeners for versions of this song that they liked. And we did get two. And then I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to admit this to everybody. I can't <laughs> freaking find them. I have no, it was so long ago now. I cannot find where they were. So if you're out there, one of them was the David Bowie version. Okay. And then there was another one. So I sincerely apologize. I, I was terrible at this. We'll put the call out for our next episode at the end of this one. And we'll remind people, please email it in because I, I can keep track of email But when they're arriving via Twitter or Instagram or Facebook Messenger, I looked at all those places and couldn't find them. So anyway, you're familiar with the Perry Como version. I can almost guarantee you are not familiar with this one. This is Jimi Hendrix from 1969. Ooh! Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's good. It's just notable. I had no idea Jimi Hendrix did a version, and it's it's really just something that was just recorded. This was not something that was produced and released,
1: right? And this is like right up my alley. So that's exactly where I was going: is that the yeah. lineage of this song is probably like a one-time thing he did, at, you know, in a studio or at a show around Christmas or something. Yeah, for all
0: we know, he was just right. warming up or
1: something or around the holidays and just. What's did more it. interesting, though, is the going back to where we started. This song came out in the mid-century. And this is now late 1960s that Jimi Hendrix is playing. You can track the course from Christmas Carol becomes, you know, popular radio song to quite possibly the
0: most cutting edge artist (laughs) of the time playing
1: it, you know, kicking it around. So that's kind of an interesting path.
0: That's very true. It was definitely not treated as a Christmas Carol by Jimi Hendrix. Right. But
1: I mean, just, yeah, exactly. And the speed at which it went from being, you know, something. 30 years. yeah, Yeah, that's pretty
0: impressive. I have a version that I had no idea existed. That's why I was excited to play this one. This is Ray Charles from 1985. The ox and lamb kept time for a Bo ru, pu, 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 pu. I played my drum for him for Oh, yes, I did. I played my drum beautiful voice and you know the older I get the more my tastes go from something that's popular to something that's yeah incredibly timeless and classic like that I have another version this is another one that I had no idea existed I had never heard of actually Dwayne mentioned this one and the Jimi Hendrix version both on that original episode but he didn't play either of them so I wanted to make sure we played it this is Ringo Starr from 1999 No surprise that it's drum heavy. They told me, to see, gifts we bring, To lay before the king.
1: I mean, it, it's almost punching down to make Ringo jokes at this point, but <laughs>
0: you're right. It's not something I would call great or even good, but I thought it was interesting that somebody as notable as Ringo Starr did a version of this, and that I'd never heard of it.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that he did it. I think it's uh, um, objectively a bad version of the of the song sure. too, like which is you know almost like. Uh, but you're Ringo Starr, you can do whatever you want. You're not
0: going on any playlists. right? For that exactly. One, right? Okay, now the next one here, I don't know if you're familiar with the King's Singers? I am. Oh, okay, great. Well, I could have probably put this in the, the genres version later and done acapella, but this one seemed extremely popular on YouTube, so I thought it might be more notable. This is the King's Singers from 2013. I feel like we always have to play some sort of a cappella version of something. Yeah. In these episodes, Dwayne already had pentatonics in his original version, so I didn't pick that one. And I thought the King Singers would be a fun little addition. I have one more notable version that I want to play for you before we take a break and do the genres, okay? Yeah. This is Leslie Odom Jr., featuring the Manzani Youth Choir from 2020. Come they told me, parampa a newborn king pa rum I have no gifts to bring pa rum pa fit to give a king pa rum pa pum pam, rum So to honor him pa rum And I really like the drum treatment on this one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's the little drummer boy. I love that some of these artists really leaned into that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because that's one of the things that I think that makes this uh, one of the many, that makes it a carol, you know, too, or it gives it that religious connection. If you think about it, the whole song is the... Uh, based on the idea that I have no gift that's fit to give a king, or uh, if I'm butchering the lyrics. so so my yeah. gift is the song. Thank you, Elton John. Um, and uh, <laughs> but uh, so that like that to me is uh, like a, an interesting dynamic that I think is uh, you know that connects this especially like the drum has got a feature prominently, and uh, and I like the island vibe the
0: song has. That's a playlist ad for sure. Do you want to get into the Hackney joke about how a drum solo was a terrible gift for a mother of a newborn infant? Yeah, I do, and I think it's,
1: I, it never gets old to me. I, I think drum solo, I mean, I think that is the... Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, I'm exhausted, and I got a new... Ba- it, it, the kid's trying to sleep. Can you, can you knock it off yeah, with the drums? Yeah, it seems... Hey, by the way, are you familiar with the Rankin-Bass special called The Little Drummer yes, Boy? Yes, I am. No, now, that I'm not sure about. I wasn't, and according to the Rankin-Bass special... They named the little drummer boy Aaron. What? Yeah, A-A-R-O-N. Now, that sounds to me like somebody who should be wearing a tap-out shirt and you know, slamming a monster energy drink and driving a Dodge yeah. Charger. But A-Aaron. A-Aaron, <laughs> that's right. A-A-R-O-N, yeah. yeah. All right, why don't we take one more quick break, and when we come back, we'll play all the different genres that are really fun with this song. Sound good? Yes. All right, Jay, we're back. This is, my, this is probably my favorite part of every episode that we do. These are the versions of A Little Drummer Boy done in different styles and genres. This is where we get to really, well, I can't let my hair down because I have none, but you have plenty. This is where we get to really stretch out and have some fun. The first version that I brought today is by somebody I'm sure you're familiar with. She's, you know, hip-hop royalty. This is Lauren Hill from 1999. Come yes. <laughs> If you're not into hip hop, I think it's interesting to hear that and see how this song can really be molded and melded into different versions.
1: Yeah, it's "Rumpa Pom Pom" is very scat, you know, like. Uh, oh, that's so true. You're right. Yeah, it lends itself to that.
0: It's just groovy, jazzy, kind of smooth, buttery. Well, if you thought that one was smooth and buttery, this one is like honey on top of buttered toast. This is a smooth jazz version by Dave Koz from 2001. like that one, Jay? Yeah, that's uh, it's groovy. It is a little groovy. Here's a country version mm. by Toby Keith from 2000. <laughs> so hold on to your disapproval. This is a country version by Toby Keith from 2007. Come, they
1: told me, pa pum pum A newborn king to see, pa pum Our finest gifts we bring, pa up pa pom pom, to lay before the King, pa up pa pum pom, pum pa pom pom, rum pa pom pom. So to.
0: Neither of us are big country fans, but I think this song does pretty well in that format. Yeah, it's great.
1: I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the genre. It's a very good treatment of it in, that, uh, in the country. I
0: respect uh, it. Whatever. <laughs> Here's one that we did on Jingle Jank a while ago. It's probably one of my all-time favorites. This is Jamaican Drummer Boy by Shaggy. Yes. What a great a version this coconut is. Trees are up island beaches are up the shining seas are up Christmas on our island. A Christmas are I love that, I Just love the, the beat and the groove of that one. Yeah. I have a punk version by an artist that I'd never heard of. His name is Sean Quigley. This is from 2011. formulaic yeah it's a bit pop punk obviously but it's a genre that i love and i really like that version just fun yeah here's a great one this is a ska version by real big fish from 2014. God was good. I brought an acoustic version by an artist named Justin Gambino from 2015. Come, they told me, pa up pa pum I'm a born king to see, pa up pa pum pum How the finest gifts we bring, pa la the typical version that I reach for when I want to listen to Christmas music but if I'm in the mood for something that's really chill I don't mind a whole album of stuff like that that was uh, real real relaxed
1: yeah it's definitely calm Um calm there's a nice word yeah definitely like a like a lower sort of chill than uh, our previous ska
0: or punk versions for sure alright well hold on to your pants because the next one is a chiptune version by an artist named Sarah Lopez from 2018 this will get your uh 10 year old losh vibes going. becoming a thing that we have to include an acapella version and a chiptune version of every song. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think that's <laughs> that's that's
1: law. I think uh more chiptune, the better. <laughs> that's right. If you don't like it, your, your podcast
0: app has a skip forward 30 seconds button. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I brought a metal version by an artist named Ben Dixon. This is from 2019. And I just wanted to bring this one because I think it showcases how well this song can be done in a dark format. It really makes me wonder what the thought process was when an artist goes out and intentionally does something like that. I'm glad it exists, even though it's not my style.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I like that. And I like the the difference between that metal version and the ska version. What those two had that the punk version didn't have is they held the true to their genre. You know, the punk version sounded a little too store-bought to be called punk.
0: You know, like that was... The, okay, well, pop punk, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, the last one I brought today, this is an African tribal style, which uh, obviously is not a genre that, uh, not a a mainstream genre, at least. Yeah. Uh, This is an artist named Alex Boy, and it's featuring the Genesis Choir. This is from 2015. This one's just really, really unique. (laughs) I struggled with that one a little bit, Jay, and was a little hesitant to bring it because it is a byproduct of Western colonialism. Yes. Just like the song Mele Kami Maka, you know, that the, the Hawaiians didn't celebrate Christmas. That was something that we forced upon them. So yes. it's another discussion for another time probably, but I figured that this artist... In modern times, very intentionally did this song. So whether it's a byproduct of colonialism or something, this artist did it, and he's proud of it. And I thought it was good. Yeah. So let's take the the origin and the history of you know <laughs> Christmas being celebrated in Africa. Let's put that to the side, uh, and just I just appreciated what they did there. And it looks like this Genesis Choir is probably something they went to Africa to do. So I would encourage people to go into the show notes watch the YouTube video on it. It was really cool. And I should mention that all the versions of all the songs we played today are all in the show notes. So you can definitely go and just click those. You can see the YouTube videos and and, and listen to them.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great, great version. Another definite uh, playlist ad add in terms of something uh, very different. And it's got a nice... Uh, it got me moving. It's got more of a—I always I want to say island vibe. I know that's not it, but it's got. I, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. It had
0: the same flavors as some of the that reggae version. Yeah, by like Shaggy. West Indian
1: kind of feel to it. Yeah, but.
0: because it really had that very very prominent beat, and I was moving and grooving while we were listening to it here. Yeah. Glad nobody could see me. <laughs> That was our show today, Jay. That was the little drummer boy. Were there any versions that really stuck out to you as ones you enjoyed hearing? I really,
1: really enjoyed the um, the last version that we just heard, and there was a one a, a few versions back that was also, and I, I forget the artist's name, but it also had a real island vibe that I liked. And I, I like um, you know this is we didn't talk about the Bob
0: Seger version, obviously. Ah, thank you for bringing that up. That was one that Dwayne played as one of his top five. Right. I, should have put it in the notes that we should have mentioned that it exists and you should definitely go to yeah. the first episode of tinsel tunes if you want to hear it but um what, what yeah. did you want to say about that one because i think culturally that's also important for our generation
1: well first in the chronology of this podcast you're going to have to go back and edit it mention it earlier because we're going to have listeners who are going to be like 40 minutes into this and they're gonna be like why haven't you <laughs> said anything about bob Seger?" <laughs> apologies uh but uh um yeah, so we, th- th- you, you just heard why we didn't cover it, but the, what I wanted to say was that, you know, if you think of Bing Crosby and David Bowie, Bob Seger, uh, Jessica Simpson... Um, uh, there's a, a non blank and a few Pentatonics. Oh, Pentatonix, Pentatonix. Is one. yeah. This is a song that's like really. Um, Carrie every... Underwood had a
0: beautiful version, but th- I knew the episode was going to start running long anyway. Yeah,
1: so it's like it really just this is a torch that keeps being carried by popular artists, and I think you know for me the Seeger version was the one that really introduced the song to me, and I'm sure I'd heard it as a kid before that.
0: Was it on the Very Special Christmas album? It is, yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah. that's part why of, you know... that's another reason it's so incredibly important to our generation.
1: Right? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah, definitely a couple of new playlist ads and uh, quite a few things that I didn't know about the song. And you really have to go back to and look at the album art for the Bowie Bing Crosby version of it because he could see a very sanitized David Bowie appearing with Bing Crosby he's not looking Ziggy Stardust esque in that photo <laughs> I think
0: I might have read too that when they first got introduced you know uh, he was wearing an earring and his hair was dyed and, and Bing Crosby was like get that earring out of here like what what is this like two cultures that clashed
1: yeah I didn't that, that see that's when that's what I I was not aware of that and that's what I would have expected is that it, um I know that that was his Ziggy Stardust phase. And I know that in my mind, Bing Crosby is analogous to John Wayne. I just picture like high pant- high-waisted high pants guy eating steak and drinking coffee. and
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Grandpa Simpson. There. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, I apologize to the couple people who did write in with versions and then I just lost them because I'm terrible at my job at doing this, but it was free. So you know, you get what you pay for, I suppose. Yeah. Um, next month, Jay, we're going to do an episode with the godfather of the show, Dwayne Bailey. Oh, that's awesome. Reunion. All right. Yeah, and I don't remember what we were going to do. He did reach out and suggest one. It was an album. We're, we're going to do a whole album of something, and uh, when, when Dwayne calls, man, you take that call. You know, yeah, right? absolutely. That's, that's what it is, and it'll be a fun Christmas in July. Yeah. And it'll be great to hear from him. I'm not sure what we're going to do after that. I know at some point I would like to do the uh, Christmas Gift to You by Bill Spector album. Um, Yes. So maybe we'll do that in July. But if you have ideas for what you'd like to hear on the show, definitely reach out. TinselTunesPodcast at gmail.com is the best way for me to reliably get what you're talking about and not lose it like an idiot. Uh, any closing thoughts, Jay? Before we uh, let everybody go,
1: and, you know, I just want to say thank you again, everyone, to our listeners for uh, for. Everything that you uh, that you've got to say and the feedback, the opportunity to yeah. do this
0: really too. You know, if you didn't listen, we probably wouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, keep the iTunes reviews coming, keep the feedback coming. Let us know what you guys want to hear. We really appreciate all the diehards who are hanging out with us here as we uh, as we make our way through the uh, the summer months. So thank you for that. And I'm glad that we finally got to talk about this song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs, and it, it uh, and being forced not to dwell on the Bob Seger version of it, you know, it gave me an opportunity to look at some other versions i hadn't really spent time hearing before so good stuff all around dude
0: thank you uh one more thing if you're in the southern hemisphere and it's winter down there right jay i I do have that right
1: as i understand toilets go the other way
0: yeah whole thing yep toilets go the other way snows in in june in our june yeah Yep. (laughs) um if you're down there and it's winter write in and let us know do you listen to more christmas music because there's snow Mm. and you know that kind of stuff is mentioned in songs i've never i I suppose we could ask duane next month that would be uh, something to put a pin in but it just got me curious because it's also the summer we always think of this from a a eurocentric kind of idea where oh it's winter winter is snow winter is christmas music but They have summer snow. I just can't even wrap my brain around what that's like. I, I would love to experience it. So, you know, just write in. Drop us a note. It doesn't have to be something important or original. We just love hearing from people. So until next month, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you very much. Feliz Navidad. Merry
1: Christmas.